Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, who loves us with a transforming love, from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ, and from the Spirit who unites us all. Amen. The tasks of a pastor are wide and varied, but the most important task for any pastor is to preach the Word of God and to rightly administer the sacraments. Simply put, it is to bring the spoken and tangible ways that we know God to the people, to regular people, because they're regular people. But pastors have been tasked with this task, bringing the Word of God to the people. And we've been given the job to bring life to Jesus the Christ through all sorts of ways, but especially by bringing Scripture to you in a way that makes sense for our day. And we do that carefully. Pastor Stanton and myself and any other pastor worth their salt spends a reasonably large amount of time during their week preparing for this 12 minutes on a Sunday morning so that we hear what God has to say for us. Because we as Lutherans believe that the preached word is indeed the word of God just like Jesus is and just like Scripture is. And so we handle that with care. I say all of this to remind myself and you why I or Pastor Stanton stand here in front of you every week and expound on the reading assigned for the day. Sometimes it's really easy. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes... There's no problems, and sometimes we get lots of emails. I tell you that on this day because I find the reading from John, James particularly difficult to preach on, and that's the text that Pastor Stanton decided we should preach on today. You heard it, right? You heard this writer, long dead, speaking to our own times, 2021, didn't you? If you were anything like me, you heard, especially in the first part of the reading, an accurate description of what has been happening these last 20 years in our country or our world. The battle that has been occurring between earthly things and the things above, although I don't think we would quite characterize it in that way. In our minds, we characterize what we see in our world most often into, we put it into the political realm, and we try to leave it there, only it doesn't stay there ever. Because politics is how people living together make decisions. So of course, these disputes, these differing ideas about how we are to be together go far beyond our political structures and make their way into our everyday life. And there you have it. I've done it. I've mentioned politics, and in the first few minutes of my sermon even, which makes people uncomfortable, makes me uncomfortable. But let's together take a deep breath, because I'm going to ask you to bear with me. Because James has some things to tell us, and so does Jesus. And if we can open ourselves up enough to listen, even though this pastor said the word that mostly shuts us down, then we may, in fact, discover a way of being together that doesn't make us cringe every time someone talks about the politic of our day. You with me? 
Okay, here we go. So William A. Hume once said that James does not present the techniques for effective change. Rather, James affirms the power for change that is ours through our faith in Jesus Christ. As much as James seems to talk about how we should be, he mostly reminds us of the power we hold as baptized children of God, which isn't the same understanding of power that humans normally gravitate toward. For James, it starts with the heart of who you are. What is it that is at the core of your being? Or for a more modern way of saying this, what is it that drives you to do what you do? Is at your core a way of following Jesus the best way you know how? Or is it, as James says, selfish ambition or envy or retribution or greed or individuality or stubbornness? I may have added a couple. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from, James asks us very pointedly. Do they not come from your cravings that are war within you? I had to read that sentence several times. Where do these conflicts come from? Don't they come from inside you? It takes my breath away because it is so true and so human, and I don't know about you, but I can really relate. And isn't it the journey of faith about learning what those things are that are at war within us, and then being open enough to allow Jesus' healing power in so that we may then be at peace and be love in the world more fully? Isn't that why we're here? Earlier this year, as I was studying the Kingian way of nonviolence, one of my teachers said, the first thing about working with nonviolence is that that way begins with you first. And what she meant by that was that we have to learn how to be nonviolent with ourselves before we can even be nonviolent with other people. And that same concept is what James is talking about here. We have to know the conflict inside of us and allow Jesus to heal us before we can even think about being out in the world and being peace and love. And then James says, at the very end of this reading, as if to remind us of the very source of our power and our hope, draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Now, James isn't saying that God isn't already here, walking alongside us. We know that to be true because our God isn't a transactional God that says, if you do this, then I'll love you. That's not how it works. God says, I love you, period. It's more an understanding that as we discipline ourselves to draw near to God, which is nothing less than drawing near to the cross, God is revealed to us. God becomes clearer to us. And we learn more about what it is that is at the core of who we are as baptized children of God, as followers of Jesus. Discernment, one scholar said, begins with the courage to listen to and from your core for the whisper of God. Discernment begins with the courage 
to listen to and from your core for the whisper of God. And then the Spirit has room to do her transforming work as we listen. And friends, I know as you read James, it often sounds like a whole bunch of law. Here's what you have to do. Are you this horrible way or are you this lovely way? And we stand in the middle and we say, both. And then we're convicted and we're like, what do we do? But really, it's pure grace spoken to a community seeking ways to welcome all, which is us. But how is that way possible, you say? Well, I'll tell you. When I sit across a table from two people speaking passionately about feeding the hungry, and I know because we have been in community together and we have been studying together and we've been talking together, that I know that they are as rock solid as we can be on the core of their actions being Jesus, being gentleness born of wisdom, I still see them come to different ways to solve the problem of hunger in our world because they are different people, right? They have different gifts. They may even be in a different political party, which is fine. But the core of what their decisions are is Jesus. And so they each work to eradicate hunger in our world in a different way. And they are still in community with one another. They can still talk to each other civilly. And they together make this happen. And they love each other as another beloved of God doing the work of God, which we are called to through Jesus. That's what a community of faith is all about. Doing the hard work of being followers of Jesus, digging in, figuring it out, asking the questions that might make us uncomfortable, but being willing to wade into those together and to figure out what is at the core of who we are and what we do. And then leaning in to who God and Jesus are and hearing their call and doing their work in this world. When we do that, there isn't the bickering and the siloing and the name-calling that we see evidenced in our world wherever we look as people desperately seek power. And that, friends, isn't just on our TV or in our government buildings. It's in our homes and our worship spaces and coming from our own mouths. And it is not the way of Jesus. I once had a professor say, I think he was quoting Martin Luther, but I didn't have a moment to check that this week, where he said, the job of a preacher is to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. Well, I think it's time for us, dear friends, in this moment as we read James, to be afflicted in our comfort and to seek deeper understanding of God so that we may comfort the afflicted. James is warning us against being those kinds of people who are acting out of envy or selfish ambition, which is why he's reminding us that we have a way of being that harnesses the power of change we see evidenced in Jesus, which is nothing less than the abundant love of God. And Jesus gives us such a beautiful example in our gospel reading today. The disciples 
even though this is the second time Jesus is talking about this, are not able to understand what Jesus is saying about his death and his resurrection. They cannot imagine it because it doesn't make any worldly sense that the Son of God would willingly die for the sake of others. That just doesn't make any sense. And so instead of asking questions and being curious, they choose to have a conversation about which one of them will be the greatest. But Jesus overhears them somehow, and knowing what is at their core with this conversation, Jesus answers the indirectly spoken question by pulling a child into his lap and saying, this one is the greatest. If you want to be the greatest, then you must learn how to serve all. Jesus pulls this little child into his arms and upends everything we know to be true about how we gain power. It isn't by amassing wealth and followers. It isn't by somehow making your way to the top of whatever ladder it is you find yourself on. It isn't about yelling hateful things and refusing to yield in order to get more people on your side. It isn't. It is when we dare to love from our core with the love of God, to see God in the powerless among us, which for Jesus in this moment is a child. But not just a cute cherub-looking cherub child. It's the child who has been abandoned, the child detained at the border, the child with no food, the child who has been molested, the child fleeing from war, the child who has been left alone. You know, those children that we're very uncomfortable seeing. But we have power when we see God there, in those places where no child, no human being should be, and we respond with the love of Jesus. When we care for these little ones. And for James and for Jesus, it isn't just these children we should be looking to, these little ones of ours, but all of those who are marginalized in our society, for they too bear the face of God. They too teach us about what it means to draw closer to God when we draw closer to them, what it means to live in the power of Jesus. In our day and age, these are hard words to hear from Jesus and from James. In a world that is stubborn in its refusal to consider bending or yielding for the sake of the world, in a world where empathy is absent and compassion is shown only to those who are in our tribe, in a world where war is our usual stance and wealth is our God, being reminded that that is not the way of Jesus as we sit here in this building where we come to seek comfort and love, is hard to hear. It's hard to imagine that there is a way to move forward in power if the fuel for that power is love. But it is the way forward. Our imagination needs to be like a child's imagination, opened up to seeing the love of God in this world that we participate in when we come to this table and are reminded that we are loved no matter how much we've messed up being followers of Jesus, 
and then we're strengthened to go and try again. That is the power of the cross, the power of Jesus' death and resurrection, the power of love. That is at the heart of who we are. It isn't what the world would tell us or want from us, but here we are with the word of God in front of us, holding a mirror to our faces and asking us the uncomfortable questions. Dear friends, may we be like the little children, open to new things that fill our imagination with wonders and lead us to be curious enough to learn and to change our ways so that all may know peace, so that we may be full of mercy and good fruits without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy.